Good morning, Living Word. That was awesome, huh? I got to brag on my wife real quick. Y'all got to... <laughs> Y'all got to give me a little second, man. Y'all got to give me a little second. I know that, whew, this, that was such a blessing, man. I know that for me that meant a whole lot. I know that reached somebody else in here. And I don't want to stop the flow. We're going to keep on moving forward because I know that a lot of you guys might be used to being in here a little bit longer. You know, 8 a.m. service, you know, pastor, he got away with his words that uh, sometimes take a little time, you know. But we're going to be a little different today. <laughs> We're going to be a little different today. Could you guys stand for the reading of the Word of God? And as you stand up, if you could, flip your Bible over to Proverbs chapter 3. And when you get to chapter 3, I want you to arrive in verse 5. And we're going to be examining today Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, one of the most profound passages of Scripture that has the power to impact your life. In fact, this is, in my personal walk with God, been the most important scripture in my life, and I want to share it with you guys today. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, Acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. You guys can be seated. Father God, we thank you for your truth, because your truth is worthy of our trust. That word has been abused and manipulated in our culture, and Father God, today I ask that we could see who we should really be trusting, that our own wisdom is not enough. What's going on in this world is so crazy as of late, God. We're asking that we could be able to experience the power of your faithfulness today. So don't allow anything to stand in the way, God. Don't let the neighbor next to us, the argument we got into it with our spouse on the way here. Lord, what's going to be for Sunday dinner on the way back, God? Nothing is more important than getting spiritually fed. Father, I know that I cannot do this without you, and I won't. So make me transparent, God. Let your word speak through me. Not that I'm any more worthy than anybody in these seats today, but because you simply saw fit. And so for that, I thank you, and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I remember my feet burning as I walked across the cracked concrete along the side of the pool, paralyzed by fear. I stared at my reflection in the water. You know, I was so afraid of failing the biggest test of all the swimming lessons tests I had taken thus far. But I didn't want to let anyone know. <laughs> Well, I was so scared. In fact, when the lifeguard shouted my name, it startled me back to reality. And when I came to, I made my way past my classmates who were kicking up water in their warm-ups. You see, the challenge was simple. I had to swim in 14 feet, going and also coming back. And as I got into the water and my body is chilling, y'all know when y'all first take that first dive in, 
feel a little cold. So I'm in the water, guys. You can picture me just sitting there at the edge of the pool ready to take off. And the moment I heard the whistle ring out, I was gone. And I was swimming like my life depended on it because I felt like it did. And as I was going and going and going, I realized that I'd begin to exhaust myself on the way back. And it was because I was using my own techniques rather than the technique that the instructor had been teaching for the previous weeks, right? And so I could hear him telling me, hey, change your form or you might want to take a break because you are at risk of burning out. But you know me, if y'all know me, I'm real competitive. So, you know, somebody tell me, stop, I'm going to keep going, you know? And as I was making my way, doing my own thing, I reached near the point of the edge. You know how when you're swimming and one head is, part of your head is in the water, and you're looking out and you can kind of see the edge from the corner of your eye? That's where I was at. And so I reached out, eyes closed, halfway open at the same time. And as I stretch out for the edge, I grab onto the back of another kid's shorts. Mm. And what I believed was the edge was really some swimming trunks. And as I tried to pull myself up, <laughs> hmm. So I pulled myself up, and all of a sudden, even though it was sunny outside, it was a full moon right in front of my face. <laughs> so the kid is in disbelief. He's looking back at me like, oh! So brother man slapped my hand down, and y'all, when he slapped my hand, my life flashed, okay? I started to sink. I knew I was drowning. The sensation increased. I was fighting the water like, <laughs> you know, all them type of games, right? And so at that moment in time, I was like, throwed off. I'm sinking. I'm worried. I'm going down. And in that moment as I was sinking, the swim instructor swiftly made his way and gave me the flotation device and helped me make it to the edge safely. And as, as embarrassing as that moment was, the most shameful part about it is that it actually could have been prevented. You see, if I didn't rely on my own understanding and ability and instead trusted the instructor, I could have been saved. Now, I know that for me and you, there are many moments in your life that causes panic, where you reach out believing that you're on solid ground, when in reality, you're getting your hand slapped time and time and time again. And when you look out, you don't see a pleasant sight, right? When you look out, you see anything but. And the reality is this, that you and I both have a need today, and that need is to be delivered from the ignorance of our own understanding, and the brokenness it produces. You see, if we could just intentionally rely on God to provide us the wisdom to avoiding the pitfalls of poor decisions, then maybe we could live higher. You know, if we are able to let go of our natural wisdom and submit our ways to God, we will experience the benefit of his faithfulness today. So we're going to open up Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, in case you're just tuning in right now, we're going to begin right at the beginning of verse 5, and it has this one word, and this one word is so powerful, if you understand the concept, it will impact you immediately. Trust. 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 But it gives you a subject to trust in. In fact, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. There are two big ideas today that we'll discover. 
And the first is that we are to know the one to trust, to know the one to trust. Now, that word trust is mainly used in two ways. There's a physical sense where it's painting the picture of you leaning upon something for support. But the way that's really going to speak into your life today is the figurative sense where you rely upon someone, in this case God, for help and protection. Amen? So when the Bible tells us to trust in the Lord, we have to understand one is that it's communicating that God is worth your trust and that trust is a decision, not an emotion. I know in our culture, once again, emotions begin to govern and dictate the way that we think and the way that we act today. But I want you to know this, that emotional security follows trust if it's placed in a legitimate subject. If we are placing our trust or our confidence in illegitimate things, then of course we will be let down every single time. Nobody builds a foundation of a house on Play-Doh. And I hope we understand that God is worthy of our trust because this picture of him being worthy is a photo that is put together with three puzzle pieces. I'm going to share them with you guys in passing. It's his authority, his character, and his ability. See, God's authority makes him worth your trust because there is no one greater. I'm going to repeat that God is worthy of your trust because there is no one greater. And if you've been sitting in this church and you probably have said to yourself, hey, I've understood that, Jordan. Hey, listen, I have heard that there is no one greater than God. I learned that in Sunday school with Miss Sylvia. You got to come up with a new pony, right? So let me tell you what we're going to ride on today and that is the fact that God is authoritative. He is the highest of the high because he is the first of the first. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You see, before the foundations of the earth, he was. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, he existed and he operated perfectly in his authority. There was no appropriate person to challenge him. And the only person that did, obviously, you see where he at now. So my God is undefeated. His authority is not to be challenged successfully because <laughs> a lot will challenge. But the interesting part about God's authority is that his authority doesn't come without perfect character. We live in a real world. Let's be honest. There's a lot of men and women in authority with improper character. You see, that's where the brokenness begins on a structural level where people who are in charge do not operate with godly convictions and morals. So this idea of having someone in authority and being worthy only goes as far as their character. And we'll go into detail in a second, but I need you guys to understand this, that my God has authority that is unfathomable, higher than any president, governor, mayor, you name it. And his character is so perfect. His character is so perfect that even on your lowest days, he won't switch, even when you'll switch on yourself. That's a God that's worthy. And I know what you're thinking. Okay, you've told me that one before. Well, let me give you one more. Like I said, it's a three-part puzzle, right? So then we have the ability, because see, sometimes you got folks in authority that might have good character, but they just don't have no ability. What can they really do? Have you ever had that circumstance? I don't know if you're working in an environment where you have different managers, right? <laughs> and y'all know how the game goes. There's always one big boss. 
So if you try to get something approved or pushed through or worked on, hey, look, man, let me talk to him. You know, don't, don't give me everybody else, right? You see, you might have some authority. You might even be a good person, but if you ain't got no ability, you ain't worth nothing to me. If you don't believe me, just go to a department store and see how quick somebody says, let me speak to the manager. Natural, right? You, I don't care if you're the shift manager. I want the big boss. I want the operations director. Get me somebody that can help who got some ability. And only, and this is what's so fascinating when you study the scriptures, only in Jesus do we get perfect authority, perfect character, and perfect ability. I don't know about you, but to me, that means he's perfectly worthy. Right? He's perfectly worthy. So then if we understand that we serve a God that is perfectly worthy, then here's the big idea that you should be able to get, that not only is he worth your trust, but he should be worshiped as your source, as your God, as your Lord. But let me tell you one more, as your friend. Hold on now, friend. That's a, that's a new one for some of us in here, right? Now, you just talked about he had authority, so we got friends and authority. We know the manager. Ooh. Y'all ever had the hookup? Come on now, Somebody. See, I got the hookup on life because I know the source of life. But many of us don't worship. There you go. Many of us don't worship the Lord as the source. We act like he's an extension. Hold on now. A lot of us know how to use a phone charger, but a phone charger is nothing without the outlet. We running around with the block thinking we got something going on. But I know who has the real power. Hold on for a second. Stick with me. I know who has the real power. You see, even in the brokenness of the world, when I say trust, watch this now, trust in the Lord, that's just not a fancy idea. No, that is what the scriptures are commanding us to do. And here's what it's really pointing to. Hey, if you're going to be able to trust, and I need you to understand something, trust develops within the context of a relationship. Many of us got a situationship with God. You know what that looks like? Hold on now. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take y'all back for a second. See, because I know some of y'all married in here and y'all doing y'all faithful thing. Please keep it. We need strong marriages in the church. Amen? Amen? But some of us remember back in the day where we had situationships. We had, a hey, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You know, we, we had them all. Oh, hold on. See, y'all not hearing me. See, I, let me talk to this side because I got some too much. See, church folk on this side, they, they, they too. Hey, yo, let me holler at y'all for a second. Check this out. See, some of us Know what it's like to have situationships. So when we're dealing with folks, hold on. <laughs> when we're dealing with folks, we know that we have certain people in our life for certain reasons. I'm going to just leave it at that. Right? So here's how we treat God. We say, Lord, I heard that you were perfectly worthy, but check this out. I'm only going to treat you as the person who's going to provide for me this. You know, on Sunday and on Tuesday when Pastor Kansas is preaching, ooh, we good. Okay, so we on Monday now. Okay, cool. So who my Monday boo? That's my pride. <laughs> See, I, hold on. Who, who, who's my Wednesday boo? Oh, ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My Wednesday boo is my selfishness, my greed, my envy, my jealousy, my hatred. See, it, it, we, we understand what it means on the surface to trust in the Lord with all our heart, but do we understand the depth of it? Because that means submission inside and out. See, with all your heart means every fiber of your being, with every molecule that is in your body, you worship. With every single ounce of you. But let me tell you something. I, I know what you, you might be thinking at home because 
I too, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to have a confession. I'm like a natural cynic, right? Like I have a tendency of not necessarily seeing the worst in everything, but just being highly critical, right? So if you're sitting at home, even in the pews, and you're like, hey, Jordan, look here. That sounds good. The people clapping. You got them rocking, right? But what about, well, let's talk about the whatabouts. Because too many times in church, we say trust in the Lord. We get excited like, oh, yeah, trust. But we don't break down the systems that make it hard. We don't talk about with the young folks why it's so hard to trust God because now we didn't got old enough. We didn't walk with the Lord. We 50, 60. And so we good. So when a person that's 17 come to you, all you tell them is, hey, just read. And reading is cool, but we're not teaching them how to apply. We're not. But the key to knowing how to apply it is to see the problem first. Pierre taught an awesome message a while back ago talking about simple math. So in order to understand the equation in front of us, this problem of life, you have to first know the variables you're dealing with. So let's talk about some of them. See, when we're talking about trusting the Lord with all our heart, it's hard because some of us have traumatic experiences in childhood. We've dealt with neglect and abuse. Hold on now. Because our families get real good at keeping secrets on uncle so-and-so and auntie so-and-so. We do really, really good when somebody makes a mistake of hiding it and tucking it away in the depths of the family. And then when the younger generation comes and is struggling with similar issues, we go silent. And then we tell people to trust in God, but we never walk with them through the pain of recovering from abuse of being misused. And the tragic part about it is that that connects to another issue when it comes to trusting God, which is the problem of suffering and evil. Hold on now. Let's get real for a second. We live in a broken world. And it's really easy to parade around with a t-shirt that says Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. But let's start to break down the reality. And the reality is this, that God is telling you to trust him in spite of a broken and hurting world that has senseless suffering sometimes it feels like. But let me give you a little bit of depth because I don't like talking around things. Honestly, I like hitting stuff straight in the mouth, right? I go a little old school sometimes with it, so y'all got to bear with me, right? Bear with me. See, when you talk about this issue of suffering and evil, in order to really be able to understand the nature of it and also to pinpoint God's goodness, you got to go all the way back to Genesis. And you don't have to turn now. I'm not trying to have you listen to two messages at one time, right? But I want you just to listen to me real quick for a second. That if you understand the fall well, you know that as a result of Adam's choice, that sin entered into the world. And when sin entered into the world, it damaged every aspect of reality for us. With sin came death. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. So that means that because as human beings we are destined to die physically, suffering will always be a part of our reality. And I don't want to get you guys excited and go home like, oh, he preached a cool little message. It made me laugh and smile and giggle and all that other stuff. And you're dealing with the same issues on Monday. That don't do you no good and that don't do me no good. So let's talk about it, family. Real talk. Let's look at it. The fact that we still struggle with this idea that how could God be good and there's hurt in the world? What is he doing about it? And my response to that is simple, that my God, who is in authority, who is the one you should trust, has a redemption plan already etched out. You see, this doesn't surprise God. It surprises you because you have limited understanding. 
But we're going to talk about our understanding in just one second. So please check me out real quick that as we start to work through these issues of the failed political and social systems that we have, a lot of people are preaching, and I heard the same message, go to college, like your education will deliver you, and the only thing that you receive at the end of getting a four-year degree is $100,000 worth of school debt. Sally May still trying to get me. Hey, I'm going to run off on the plug one time. I'm going to tell you, <laughs> they're going to have to get it back in blood. I ain't doing it. No, nah, I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just messing with y'all. But on the real note, though, for real, like, think about how, how our world is set up, right? Like, we, we push people to not trust in God, but to trust in political agendas and movements. As if the movement has any opportunity to save. It doesn't. And the sad part is some of us get so enthralled, so intertwined and caught up with movements that we actually abandon the gospel for the sake of pursuing an agenda that might not even be godly in the first place. See, the reality is that we have a God that is, once again, worthy. So I don't want us to get so caught up in the rat race of counting on other people. No, I'm trying to push you to be able to see God bigger, be able to see God better, because there always will be in life the misconduct and the unreliability of some people. And I want you to know that even though I was pointing outside of church for some of those things, let's start to look inside the house. See, a lot of times people really wrestle when it comes to attending church worshiping God, being discipled is because of the misuse of verses that some inside for these four walls of the church have. Hold on now, just stick with me. See, some people feel so pushed back, and even when they come to the church broken, still after attending your service for the third time that you didn't told them about, leave broken. But it's not because the word isn't preached, it's because the word ain't being lived. Is that fair? That sometimes that we do really good with pointing out verses, but we don't do a good job of living them. But that's why this verse is so important to your life today, because once again, you have a need to be delivered from your own ignorance. So let's start to look at one of the other connecting verses to this. In verse 5, it not only says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, but then it says this, and do not lean on your own understanding. Because the reality is this, is that all of those social and political systems, your own thought or idea is really insufficient to deliver you or to assist and help you. Let me break down what leaning on your own understanding means, right? It means to rely on one's own desires, experiences, and insight to support the lifestyle choices we make. Okay, I'm going to repeat that. To rely on your own desires, experiences, and insight to support the lifestyle choices that we make. And see, that's unreliable. That's so unreliable. In fact, many of us, by doing that, we are acting immaturely. You know, I had a moment in my life where I had a very immature decision that I made, right? And I'm going to share it with you. You can laugh at my pain. Trust me, I ain't got no shame now. I'm grown, right? But there was a time where my mom, my brother, and I was in the house, and my mom had went to go wash her hair, and like any mother that's communicating with her children, she's like, hey, look, boys, mom about to go wash her hair. I'm going to be in there. Her hair's going to be under, obviously, under the spout that if we need her, just come and get her. So as a kid, you know, I'm playing. I'm in my own world. Like, I'm like, oh, I got you. Okay. So then some time passed, right? And as some time passed, I say, mama, 
I don't hear nothing. So I go a little closer. I say, hey, mama. Ooh, no response. So, you know, I go to Josh and I'm a boy, you know, so I'm like, Josh, like, Josh, I don't know where mama at. She abandoned us. Right? And so I'm talking to my brother, and he's just standing at me like, you know, he, he a baby at this time. And so watch this. So I'm going, and I'm like, hey, yo, Josh, bro, look, check this out. Here's what I'm going to do in my T-shirt and my drawers. I'm like, hey, stand at the door. I'm going to go get help. And little old Jordan in drawers and a white T-shirt marched down the sidewalk, determined to get assistance for my family. See, I told you I was a man back in the day. <laughs> right? <laughs> so as I go and do that, I get my neighbor, which once again, was very dangerous. I could have ended up on like Law and Order SVU for the wrong reasons. But I got my neighbor, came back, and we sorted it out. My mom was like, no, you ain't got to call CPS. Please don't call CPS. I used to work for CPS. We good. We not just, <laughs> but no, on the real note, though, we got it straightened out. And what I didn't realize that in my immaturity as a boy, I made a decision based on my own understanding that made me vulnerable. And many of us do the exact same thing. Our own understanding, I want you to know this today, cost us. So even if you can't afford to trust anymore, I need you to be able to get this picture of your own understanding not being sufficient. Because check this out, when life wounds you, when life breaks you, your own understanding doesn't make for good crutches. They don't. You see, they're not stable. And when things go beyond our understanding and we try to make sense of what is beyond our capability, here's what's the result. Because I love giving y'all a long, I got to give you the big picture, right? So see what happens is it causes pride, anxiety, and addictive behaviors. Yeah, I must talk about addiction too. Because see, some of our past experiences have made it so bad for us because we start to operate out of pride and these self-made expectations and this partial knowledge, this limited knowledge that we have. And what happens is because you only have so much knowledge and the situation might be this big, you really think that you know more than you know. You know, we have this issue as human beings in today's technological age where we know too much but still don't know enough. We think that we have it figured out, right? <laughs> because we only know so much, but the reality is that that only puts pride in our hearts. You see, we, we've read so many verses, we can quote the Psalm back and forth, but we ain't living the Psalm, so then when we come into a problem, what do we do? So that we operate off of limited knowledge and God's grace is still sufficient. Now, don't, get, don't get it twisted, but I need you guys to be able to understand this idea that guess what? Our pride needs to be in check if we're ever going to have any sound understanding and this anxiety that kicks up right for these self-made expectations lord i'm encountering a problem hey lord i don't know what i'm going to do my grandson is in the streets and right now i don't really know what his lifestyle looks like lord what will you do with him and that makes us so anxious right many of us are parents and we look at our children and we birth and we remember holding the back of that little big old head they got 
And we tell the baby, even when they can't understand us, I will do anything for you. Only for your child to say, I'll do anything without you. And it breaks your heart as a parent. And you got to trust God through that too. And then if you are sitting in your college and you're wondering, Lord, what are you going to do with my life? I'm a young adult. And honestly, I went to college because I thought it was, would be a good idea. And everybody told me to go. But now I don't even know what career path I'm going to choose. I'm lost. And I'm racking up debt by the second. What am I going to do, Lord? I want you to trust that man. And not just a man, the God man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he is the source, like I told you before. So then here's what happens in life. We get a little frantic sometimes. I admit I do it too. And so we get really worked up about things. And then we look for these functional saviors. Hmm, Hold on. You know what a functional savior is? Anything you put in place of God to save. That could be your car that you've been washing two times a week like it ain't been raining. (laughs) A functional savior can be your hobby like a video game. Trust me, I play the game like... Sometimes I think we even way too much. There's just something I like to do. And those things can get in the way. Why? Because it can become an addictive behavior that when you need a trust, instead of going to God, you run to that. Some of us run to Casamigos. We ready. Some of us run to Don Julio. We know. Come on now. Stop acting like y'all. Hey, see, this side acting too holy for me. Hey, this side. I'm going to switch on to y'all now. (laughs) Say, fam, look, when you know when you had that long day, when you wanted, you know what I'm saying, on wine, Come on now. Come on. <laughs> See, some of us, you know, we got them secret habits. We don't even want nobody to know. We walk out, you know what I'm saying, ashing it out. I'm going to leave it at that. You already know where I'm going. Stop playing. Let's keep it a buck for a second. So we know addictive behaviors, but let me just break that down because that one is actually near and dear to my heart. You see, all of these behaviors convince you that it can pay the price of your pain. But short-lived moments of satisfaction is all it can afford. It flashes peace and satisfaction. It only comes through the application of God's word. Because, see, it, it, addiction doesn't just convince you that you can't live without it. It convinces you and tells you that your life is better with it. The trick of addiction and getting caught up in your own understanding is that there is some sort of profit there. And if you let it go, there will be great loss. Let me tell you this. You will lose nothing by trusting God other than anything that he doesn't want you to have to begin with. Because many of us are saying that we blessed when we had to sin to get it. So you already understand the reality of what, that you should know the one to trust. But as we close and start to make our way through the message, I just need you to understand that there is this second concept. If you catch it today and we'll be done, we'll be good to go. And that is this. I want you to trust the one who knows. So the two ideas, once again, is to know the one to trust. And the second one is to trust the one who knows. Because what does verse 6 say? I mean, y'all got the Bible right in front of y'all, saints. In all your ways. Not in some. Not on the Sunday and Tuesday activities. Not when you feel good at listening to that gospel song, so the first hour of your shift you ain't cussing nobody out. See, now, now, I'm talking about all your ways. Acknowledge him. Now, let me walk you through what that word acknowledge means. Because too many of us, when we read that verse, we think that it means just to have an intellectual understanding of God. I know he exists and that's good enough. No, player, that's not what it's talking about. 
You see, the word acknowledge, and I'm going to bust it down for you. Here's what it means. It means to be aware of God and his word and be obedient to what he says. See, there's two aspects of acknowledging, and that is awareness and obedience. Simple, right? I don't know why I didn't get that as a kid, that when my mom would want me and my dad want me to acknowledge their word, it just was always lost on me. And I made, once again, a number of poor decisions. In fact, one time, me and my brother, we were inspired by Toy Story. Let me break it down what I mean. Well, me and my brother had watched this point in the movie where Woody was like, hey, ride like the wind bullseye. So me and my brother was like, hey, great idea. Josh, get on all fours. So Josh is like, okay, right? Josh is always like my boy. He, I can do whatever with him, right? So I'm like, all right, check this out, Josh. I'm going to get on your back, and I want you to go buck. And I'm going to ride, and I'm going to be good, right? And so my brother's like, okay. So I mount up on my brother's back, and we going around the house, and I'm acting like I'm a real-life cowboy. And I'm like, woo, ride like the wind, bullseye, forgetting that when he said that, bullseye bucked him off. My mistake. <laughs> so I ain't got no hands. I get bucked, head fly dead into the corner of the chair. Smack. Head bust open. See, I was a kid that Pierre talked about a while back ago that was like, uh-huh, didn't you? No, I told you not to do that. Yeah, he was talking about me in his mind. He didn't know that, though, right? So I walk up. I mean, head bust open, y'all. I'm crying. Like, ah. You know, you got to do the ugly cry and the ugly walk, too. You got to be pigeon-toed with it. So, ah, right? Parents, you know what I'm talking about when your kids get hurt. And so I walk up to my dad, and then my mom ends up getting home, and when she opens up the garage, headlights beaming on my dad, yeah, I'm going to pick on him too. He has nothing but blood on his shirt and on his hands. He looks at his wife, my mom, like, baby, don't be upset. <laughs> now, I've been only married for <laughs> about a month and a half. I got limited knowledge, but married folks, help me understand something with kids. I don't know what my dad was thinking. But anyways, the big idea is what? That because of my own lack of understanding and forgetting, you see, I had awareness, but I didn't obey. And not only did it hurt me, but it also hurt my family because my mother had to walk in and see her son bandaged up. My dad had to witness the blood of his son get all on him. Aren't you tired of making those foolish mistakes that are preventable and hurting the people you love? Or even being hurt yourself? So when I tell you to acknowledge, when the word says acknowledge, it means to, listen, have an awareness of God. That means that your devotional life with prayer and Bible reading should be at an all-time high, that you should seek God through community, online and in person. Stop saying we can do church at the crib. No, bring your behind to service, fam. Real talk. Come on. Because see, you playing because if somebody said, hey, let's go turn up, you coming out the crib for Sunday fun day. And you don't mind waking up. See, if somebody told you, hey, man, look, we about to go to the bar real quick and watch the game. We're going to check out whatever's playing. Oh, you up. Some of us are going to wake up early to watch the Olympics. <laughs> see, y'all too holy for me. I need the real, what a real folk at in the church. Let's be honest for a second. You ain't got no problem waking up. You ain't got no problem with coming, because why? You go to your work every day because they're cutting you a check. And if that check is short, hey, listen, man, you ready to mask up, and I ain't talking COVID. So hold on for me. 
Stop saying you can't show up to church, fam. No, come on. Come to the house of the Lord and let's worship together as a family. Because if you are going to acknowledge God, it has to be done in community. There's nowhere in the Bible where you're endorsed to pursue God independent of community. I don't know where that book, chapter, verse is. You must be reading your own translation. And guess what? That's always going to fit your desires. But the only problem is we already talked about your desires and your understanding is going to lead you astray. So where are you really going? Whew, I love this verse, y'all. I love it so much because this commitment to God through serving at church, through being connected, through not leaning on your own understanding, it creates intimacy with God because your intimacy with God comes not from what you do occasionally, but what you do consistently. Somebody in here needs that word. Why? Because you've been playing around. I'm going to be honest with you. You've been playing and you've been hopscotching, except you all out of line. So what we really need, family, as we wrap this up is divine direction. Amen. We need that. Somebody in here needs divine direction. So let me break down divine direction for you. You see, divine direction typically begins with a request, and then it's led to an inconvenience. Then you get reoriented. Then you see the benefit. Let me put it this way, that as a married man, I've had to make a lot of adjustments. I'm going to be honest with you. Y'all remember that time, right? Month into marriage. Come on, married folk, where y'all at? I'm one of y'all. Now, ooh! I, got, I almost got excited. Let me stop. Go back to the message. So, I had to make a lot of adjustments, right? And one of the bigger, <laughs> out of the pros and cons issues, actually has nothing to do with what goes on in the home, but actually the route to get there. You see, I got an issue with traffic. See, I, I thought I was going to amen right there, because I know that's everybody's problem these days, right? <laughs> you got an issue with traffic, right? And so why, here, here's the thing. You see, there's ultimately two types of traffic. Traffic that's caused by error, Right? When somebody cuts you off and hits you from the back or people on their phone driving slow. And then there's other type of traffic. And that traffic is caused by development, which means that they're trying to rebuild roads and adjust stuff. Right? Now, many of us have been complaining for quite some time about the roads here in Houston. And now as we have made our request known, watch this now, that here comes the inconvenience, the building. And they're constructing and they're shaping, and they're moving, and they're doing everything necessary. Why? In order to make an efficient and effective travel for you and I. And as they're doing the renovation work, as they're making their way to be able to take care of it, this becomes a disruption. So let me put it this way, that a lot of you guys have been crying out, Lord, I want to trust you, but lead my life. And then things start to go a little haywire, and you get mad at God. No, that divine direction is first going to be started by divine disruption. See, when God is saying, hey, listen, my child, I'm going to take care of you, he is going to first begin with that request. See why? Because the Bible is clear that he gives grace to those who are humble, but he opposes the proud. So many of you guys are like me at the GPS sometimes, and I get a little bit stubborn, even though I know I don't know no directions. And my wife's like, baby, just listen to the instructor. Baby, please. And I'm like, nah, you know, fellas, what we at? I know the way. You see that little footprint? Yes, I'm learning that. See, that's a... That's a, a perk of Matt Boom, this foot plant. Yeah. But, I'm, <laughs> but we think that we know the way, right? And we do the same thing with God. Lord, I want to trust you, but we only trust God when the route looks like the one we want. 
And we say, Lord, we act like we the master builder. We go to God and say, Lord, here are my blueprints. Make my road. And God like, wait a second. <laughs> oh, no, you must have forgot my worth. I have authority. I have ability. And my character is bright. So guess what? When I build your road, it's going to be perfect. All I'm going to tell you this, you're going to start with prayer because prayer is where it all begins at. But then there's this inconvenience. See, a lot of us pray for patience. I was warned at an early age, boy, watch out when you pray for patience. Because he's going to put you in positions that you have to be patient. A lot of us are saying, I want to trust God. And then when God puts you in a position to trust, we crying out like, Lord, where you at? I'm here, dog. I'm right here. I ain't going nowhere. But we're like, no, God, I need you to do it how I want you to do it. And God becomes our cosmic sugar daddy instead of our Lord and Savior. So when you get to the point of that inconvenience, when you say, man, why do I have to go this way, Lord? I wanted to go that way. Lord, why do I have to maintain my purity, God? And everybody else is having sex. They're sneaking into each other's houses, God. They're using the backseat of their car. See, y'all, see, this side. See, I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to keep it holy, but let's keep it honest. Because, see, some of us act like we ain't never been nowhere at our old age, and we forgot them days now. And we trust in our own understanding, and many times that issue leads to a lot of brokenness in relationships because after we cross the finish line, we have amazing clarity. He who has ears, let him hear. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We got kids here, so obviously I'm going to keep it PG. Especially the fellas. You got clarity then, and you like, ooh, bad choice. My ladies in here, some of you guys are hearing your husband say, baby, trust me, but you struggling because you know he don't even trust God. See, <laughs> I wish I had more time. See, I, see, I told you I would, I would honor y'all time, but I, I really want to be able to, to, to see. I want you to know how this applies to you because this proverb doesn't miss anybody in this building. It doesn't. The reality is that once that inconvenience comes, yes. The inconvenience comes. And then once the inconvenience comes, here's when he reorients. That means that now that the road is starting to be built, now the detours just become alternate routes. So now you're seeing it different. Now you recognize the benefit of what's going on. But you're not at the point of experiencing it yet. You just know it's coming. See, this is when you get hopeful as Christians. This is when you cried out to God and said, Lord, I want to trust you when the money is not right. But God, I know that I can do this PPP loan. Oh, see. Y'all not hip to it. Y'all not hip to it. Because, see, there's a lot of folks trying to scam and get over right now. Scamming is big business. Trust me, I got plenty of calls coming from all over talking about, I just need some money. No, you don't need none. You need prayer. And you need to get up off my line. Guys, I need you to catch it, that when God starts to work in your life, he's going to cause an inconvenience that he allows. It's not to hurt you. It's to actually reorient you. And once he reorients you, and once your path gets on where he wants you to get on, then guess what he's doing? Then you're going to be able to experience the benefits. You see, watch this. We are offered more than just guidance, but we're actually offered, look how crazy this, an assurance of an outcome. Where am I getting that from? Final part of the verse. Verse 6, and he will make your path straight. He will do it, not you. 
I don't know who's hurting and who's broken in here, but somebody needs to hear the word of the Lord that says, I will make a way. When you have nothing else to count on, I will be there. When you're having health issues and in your old age as the elderly, you're wondering, hey, did my family forget about me? Listen, God has not forgot about you. If you're a parent and you're looking at your child and you're wondering, Lord, how am I going to raise a kid like this in this broken and dark and fallen world? I want you to trust God. If you're a college student listening to this and you're wondering, God, how am I going to be able to make a way? My mom only sent me $20 for two weeks and there's three parties. I'm trying to manage my life. My studies are going out of hand. I'm trying to keep my purity. Lord, I'm going crazy. I want you to trust them. If you're a child and you're in elementary school and you're getting ready to go off to middle school for the first time and you're nervous because everybody is bigger than you, I want you to trust God. If you're in middle school and you're making your way through and you're like, man, I'm finally feeling comfortable in my own skin, but then puberty happens and your whole body changes. Your voice gets deeper. You get facial hair. Your body starts developing. You wonder, who am I going to be? I want you to trust God. If you're in high school, and you're wondering, Lord, what are you going to do for me as I go to college? I don't know where I want to go, but people are telling me to go. Where should I pick? I want you to trust God as an adult standing here before you. I am the sum of decisions where I trusted God, not because I'm perfect. It's not because I'm perfect, I promise you. Because only if you knew what it took to get here. And I only don't want to talk about me because it's not about me, really. Because I'm a jacked up dude. See, I ain't forgot. I ain't forgot. But you know what's the beautiful part about it? As I look in front of you guys, you didn't either. And I'm not talking about me forget. I'm talking about you didn't forget. You didn't forget that time when you called on God when you were broken and he made a way. When the scriptures came to life for you today and you know it, when you experienced the power of God in your life in such a way that it brought tears to your eyes. When you felt the presence of God really than you ever had before, you cannot tell me that that didn't come after getting inconvenienced, reoriented. You experienced the benefits. So now when you look at somebody that's young like me, you can tell them about God's goodness, not because you read it in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That's just the blueprint. But you tell them from testimony because it's real. People in my generation need to know it's real. Stop faking. Be a hundred with us. We want to know that it's real. This is youth month. We desperately need you as our elders, as our parents, as our counselors, as our mentors, as our teachers. We need you to show that it's real because if we don't see it through you, we might never see it. And it's not that God is fake. God is alive. He's real. His grace is present. But we have to cry out to him today. So I just want to pray for us. In fact, I'm going to tell you what, as we pray, if you just feel led to continue to trust God, I want you to come right here to the front. I want you to make your way if you want prayer today. If you want prayer, if you want prayer, we'll pray together. Because we need to trust today. The scriptures are clear. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not. Lean not. As they play, y'all keep on coming up. This is not for show. I promise you it's not. I need you guys to understand. I'm going to come down. It's not no... Yeah. Let me just pray with y'all today. Y'all can keep coming. Father God, 
confessing is so hard. Sometimes we feel bad for saying that because it's so glamorized that nobody tells you about the other side. The lonely nights, the brokenness, the battle with addiction, the suffering and sacrifice. God, nobody tells us that. They just tell us what to do. Lord, I pray for these people in here like myself today who want to trust. We want to trust, God. Your word is clear to trust in you with all our heart. But Lord, what do we do for the heartbroken? You tell us to put each piece in your hand. Each piece in your hand. And we cry out, God, because only you can save. Only you can deliver. Lord, your word tells us to to trust the one who knows and know the one to trust. And we trust you. So as I pray for us today, God, give us the strength. Empower us, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit to model the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we pray this, as we close, God, we just say thank you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.